I don't, know, uh, I don't know how often in your life you think about your legacy. My, my experience has been that people don't think about their legacy until they are either at a funeral or they are contemplating their own funeral. It tends to be that the young people don't really think about their legacy, and then it's like all of a sudden, like, hey, what's, what's been going on? But I, I just want to tell you, we all uh, have a legacy. We are all living a legacy, and we are all leaving a legacy. You, you are right now in a legacy legacy that you are uh, choosing to live in. Uh, you are making your life decisions based on, on the legacy that you have right now, but you're also leaving a legacy. Other people are watching. Other people are seeing the things that you're doing. If you're a parent, your children are seeing your legacy. We are all equally living a legacy and leaving a legacy. And I just want to invite you to think about your legacy this morning. What, it, what is it? What, what are you living? What are you leaving behind? My, um, my childhood uh, anytime I would bump into somebody who knew my dad, uh, his name is, is Gene. Uh, he is a very large and big person. He is six foot six, my dad is, which I'm a midget compared to him. Um, every time they saw him, they would say, oh, you're big Gene's son. And then they would say, your dad is so funny every time. I mean, my entire childhood, they would describe him as funny. And, and it was really like, I saw that as like a badge of honor. And uh, if you think that I have a sense of humor, it's because somewhere along the way, I picked up that legacy. I thought, man, being funny must be really great. I'm going to try. Some of you are like, you're not funny at all, Jesse. You try too much. Uh, that's okay. I will accept that as well. But I have a value around humor. I see how it can diffuse people. I see how it can interject and change like the mood of a moment. I I've also seen, unfortunately, how I can ruin moments with humor and mess up funerals and things like that because I've tried to use humor in the wrong time. Uh, there's a time and place for everything, but my dad's legacy is people would interact with him. They would, they, they, there's a lot of things you can say about somebody, right? The one that was repeated most about Big Gene is that he is funny. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I, I will adopt that legacy. My, my grandfather, I called him Popo, uh, he, was, he was also funny, but people didn't say, oh, hey, Popo, you, you know, Bill. Bill, they would call him. Bill's not funny. They, they wouldn't say that. When they would describe my grandfather, they would say, your papa, he can fix anything. He, he, can, he can do anything. You, he had a tool for everything. I kid you not. If you had like a 1955 Whirlpool something something, he had the belt for it. He had the, the special wrench that only the Whirlpool technicians had. He had a tool for everything. He was Mr. Fix-It. And uh, I, I would like watch that. I, I saw a lot of value and honor in that. I uh, did not inherit Mr. Fix-It skills. I, I get really frustrated with trying to fix some things, especially if it's plumbing related. That's another conversation for another time. I almost took a sledgehammer to all kind of plumbing fixtures in my house a few weeks ago because I was just done. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Uh, my grandfather's legacy and what he passed on, if you talked about him, is that he was Mr. Fix-It. Um, I was, uh, as you can imagine, I was at one time not an adult. I was a child and I was a student in school. And my reputation, listen, educators, my reputation was I was that kid. Um, if you are not a teacher, you're like, oh, well, which kid is that? But if you're a teacher, you're like, I know which kid that is. It's the kid that is that kid, the one who just didn't try at all and seemed actually to try to do worse <laughs> and seemed to not really bring anything to the table. I was having a conversation just yesterday with someone in the basketball stands about an English teacher who had a big impact because she saw through my not give a care kind of attitude. She saw through the 
I'm that kid and, and still invested in me. Um, a few months ago, uh, actually back in August, we had a local school uh, use our building for their, uh, what's, what's the word, convocation, for their big like hoorah pep rally for all the teachers, and I was invited to come and speak, and like, I'm, it, the room was about as full as it is right now. I'm not nervous right now. I'm not sweating. I'm, I'm not sweating. Yes, that's true. Uh, my heart is not in my throat. I, I'm not uncomfortable talking to people. And so I didn't think anything of it. They're like, Jesse, would you come and speak to the, to the teachers? I'm like, yes. And then as I walked up there, my knees are getting weak. I'm like, oh gosh. I mean, last time I was this close to a principal, I'm like, I, I was in so much trouble. I don't, I don't know. And uh, I, I spoke to these teachers and I said to them what I just told you. I was, I was that kid. Don't give up on that kid because their legacy... Uh, may may not be uh, what they grow into. What happened, the reason why I became, quote, that kid, by the way, uh, is because in the middle of moving schools, in the middle of all this, I had a, I had a rough year one year. At the, in the middle of third grade, I moved. And um, my teacher, uh, she, she had a rough time with me. And to be fair, I gave her a rough time. But uh, she passed a little note on to my fourth grade teacher. And that note had some things about my behaviors and my attitudes and the quality of human that I was. Uh, and so the fourth grade teacher just like, oh, well, that's, this is who Jesse is. And the fourth grade teacher passed the note on to my fifth grade teacher. And was just like, well, I might as well be that person because that's my legacy. It's funny that your legacy can be good or bad, and it's weird like how things can stick and carry on, that sometimes the past, uh, whether you want it to or not, will influence the future because, well, after all, it is, it is our legacy. You and I, we are both living a legacy and leaving a legacy. And those of us who are aware of that fact, those of us who have not lost focus on that, we are incredibly deliberate and sober-minded people. People who have their hand on the wheel of whether what their legacy is, um, they know where they're going. They know that that one moment, that one bad thing, that one tragic phone call doesn't define what comes next. Like they, they are, they are in the zone. They can, they can steer the car because they know who they are. They know what their legacy is and what it will be. Those of us who have lost focus of our legacy, who haven't considered it in a while, um, we tend to be very wavering and chaotic people. We, every, every phone call, every moment, good or bad, like we ride the highs and lows. And so uh, let me just put it this way. If, if you look back over the last year of your life and you just feel like I as an individual, not, not the moments, but I as an individual have been this roller coaster of I knew exactly what was going on and I'm in chaos and I knew exactly what was going on and you were like this, I would say that maybe we should put a little bit more focus on legacy and who we are and what truths are foundational. Um, if you have found over the last year that no matter what happened, what news hit you, your identity, your perspective stayed pretty even. Praise God, because you know who you are in Christ, and your legacy is, 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 is steady. Today we're, is Legacy Sunday at Carpenter's Way, and we do this every year. Uh, this is the time of year that we do this, and what we want to do is as a church, we want to look at our legacy. What is the legacy of Carpenter's Way? What is the, the last year? What did it contain? What did it look like? And by God's grace, what do we envision the next year to look like? What are we going to focus on? And we're going to have like a little bit of a family meeting today uh, in terms of just thinking of things. If you call Carpenter's Way home, this is important for you to know. Um, on top of that, there's also an invitation for you to do this individually as a, as, a, as a person or as a family or as a parent. What is the legacy of your home? What, what has it been and what do you want it 
to be. Um, our mission at Carpenter's Way has been and will continue to be to influence our community with the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. That, that hasn't changed from as long as I've been here. There were some wording changes along the way, wasn't there, Barbara? <laughs> we talk about this a lot. But those same words are there that have always been there from the beginning, that this is our mission statement. It has been our mission statement. It is what we hope, is what we aspire to be true. And we just want to kind of look at it like, have we done? Um, have, we, have we accomplished this? Are we continuing to accomplish this? Why do we believe that this is a good mission statement? Because we believe that you can belong by grace. You, you can be a part of this group of people because God's grace is true. But you can also be free. Some of us, we need freedom. We believe that you can be free by truth. You can belong by grace and be free by truth. This mission statement to influence our community with the grace and truth of Jesus Christ is to bring a message of Jesus to our friends, our neighbors, and the guy sitting next to us in the basketball stands, a message that leads them to Jesus and help them belong to a community and help them be free of whatever it is this world is putting on, whatever maybe legacy someone has. So what we're going to do to accomplish this today is we're going to open up our Bibles to first Thessalonians. I'll, I'll give you a chance to find that. It's kind of towards the second half of your New Testament. If you, if you kind of move towards the end of your Bible, you can find it. First Thessalonians. Why, why, why is this good for Legacy Sunday? Why is this a good passage? Well, uh, First Thessalonians is a letter written by a guy named Paul to a church in a city called Thessalonica, which is just a mouthful. If you want to impress your friends at your next party, just call them like you Thessalonican, uh, and I'm sure I'm sure you'll get into a fist fight over that. Um, I don't. I, maybe not. Maybe they don't know what that is. Um, uh, Thessalonians, I feel like, I feel, I'm, I'm getting sweaty all of a sudden. Are there teachers in the room? <laughs> like, uh, Thessalonians, you go to the principal's office with that mouth. Um, uh, Thessalonians. Thessalonians is written, this letter is written by a guy who planted a church in the city. Uh, he spent a few years there investing in them, teaching them the gospel, letting them know, and now he's left. This letter is the letter of someone who's a, a few years removed telling them, like, I remember what the Lord did with you. I remember your past. I know where you came from, Thessalonians. I know what you were like. This is So it's a look at the past, but then it's also like, uh, because I know your past, I know who your Lord is. I know what your future can be, Lord willing. And so it's a look at the, their legacy. Uh, the, the, the book of 1 Thessalonians is a perfect look at what Paul believed the legacy is of these people in Thessalonica. It's a look at their past, but also a look for their future. So here's Here's, here's how it opens. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 says this. We give thanks to God always. Um, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. He opens the letter. He's like, I remember these things about you. I remember you in my prayers, but I also remember what you were like as you, as you worked for Jesus, as you accepted this. The, the first step of a good legacy is remembering the accomplishments. Paul sits with these people and he says, I remember what the Lord accomplished in your life. I remember what you accomplished as you pursued Jesus. You, Billy, I remember what it was like when you had questions about Jesus and, and, and you just like you persevered through it. You had the steadfastness about you. There's something um, beautiful 
about pausing from moment to moment and just reflecting on what good happened. Uh, if you're like me, uh, the, the things that are good, the things that were accomplishments, the things that were wins in your life and in your family's life, they're not as obvious to see. Why? Because the big red blinking light is never the win. It's never the positive. It's the most recent tragedy. It's the most recent hard thing that has come up. When was the last time you, as an individual, paused and looked at the accomplishments that has happened in the last year? When was the last time you paused and just thought, this is what the Lord brought me and my family through in the last year? I think it's hard to, to see it. I think it's especially hard for anyone in here who has a leadership role in someone's life. So whether that is you um, you lead a small group of people, whether you're a, a, a supervisor or an entrepreneur, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, um, if you have any kind of leadership capacity, whether it be in your family or in your job or just in some kind of volunteer position, you are tasked with a very difficult task of maintaining a vision for the future, which is great. You have to do it. But if you lose sight of the past, if you lose sight of the accomplishments and where you've come from, you lose your legacy along the way. You must, as a leader, whatever your leadership capacity is, you must discipline yourself, not just to have a vision for the future, but also a season to pause and just look at what have we done? Do you start with the past accomplishments? When you sit down with someone that you're in some kind of discussion with, some kind of leadership position with, do you, do you go straight to the problem that needs to be fixed or do you look at anything else? I, I would invite you to make it a discipline to look at the accomplishments. Paul started by remembering the accomplishments. But he continues, because it's not all accomplishments. It's, uh, you live in this world, too. It's like, even, even in all the good, there's something that can be better. There's some things that are hard. There's some things that didn't work out the way that you expected. Look at how he continues in verse 4. He says, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and the Holy Spirit, and with full uh, conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, in much affliction. That's a theme for the rest of this letter, how much affliction these Thessalonians went through. You received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. The second step that Paul has for them is that he identifies and is honest about their obstacles. He said, I preached the word to you, and you guys worked hard at it, and you received it with a ton of affliction. Now, if you read the rest of Thessalonians, you start to get a little bit of a vibe for what those afflictions were. Um, he goes to a community, and he teaches them about Jesus, and as a result of people accepting Jesus, their families were pushing them out. If you accept Jesus, you can no longer come over for I don't know, Thanksgiving or whatever they had going on, like Passover. They had more, they had more Jewish meals than, than not Thanksgiving. Fourth of July. No, it's, it's not like that. You, you couldn't, you, they lost track of their family. They lost opportunities for their jobs. They, as a result of receiving the Lord Jesus, they faced affliction. But Paul, he, he opened it by saying, we know that you accepted the Lord because, not just because you received the word that we taught, but we saw what God was doing in your families. 
We saw what God was doing in your life. We saw what God was doing despite the obstacles. What was, what, what was powerful? Um, anybody in here face any obstacles in the last 12 months? None of you? Oh, wow. I, yeah, there you go. That's a, so some of us are like, I don't want to talk about it. I know, me either. Some of us are like, what year is it? You know, is it is 2024 going to... I see so many memes, all the, all the jokes. I get it. I kind of laugh at them too. Like, uh, I don't know what, what you got for 2024 bingo, but I sure hope it's not the apocalypse, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Because it just seems like every year, especially since COVID, it seems like every year we get so caught up on the obstacles that it kind of shadows, overshadows so many other things. I think that's why it's important to start with the accomplishments first. But even when Paul was honest about the obstacles that they faced in the past, he still sees the hope of Jesus in that. Do you have the perspective to see the hope of Jesus despite the obstacles that you faced? Have you, have you paused to look for it? Because if you're like me, the obstacles demand so much of your attention. It's this big red alarm demanding that you do something, that you talk about it, that you focus on it. And like you have to, or the ship is going to sink. I get it. But the Lord is still good. Like between the blaring of the alarm, do you just pause and just sit with Jesus and say, you're still in control? Um, I don't know if you realize that or not, but just like 10 minutes ago, we sang like three songs that were that very message. Despite the circumstances, you're still good. Despite the obstacles, you're still faithful. Despite me ever getting out of this obstacle, I just want to sit and be with you. Paul, he identified their obstacles and he was honest about them. Some of us, some of us need a little dose of honesty. Some of us, we, we misidentify the obstacle. Uh, let me be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Um, let me be honest with you. If, if your assessment of your last, most previous or loudest obstacles is an all them, uh, you've missed something. It's never an all them. It's never all out there. There's, there's room in every obstacle to just pause and reflect of why did that hurt so bad? Why did it knock me off balance so bad? Why was I, why, why was I in that position? That's not to say that it's your fault. Don't, don't misunderstand me. It's to say, have you had an honest look at the obstacle? All right, so we have, remember the accomplishments. We have identify and be honest about the obstacles. I'm going to bring that back up. There'll be a slide in a moment. Uh, the next is, is staying focused on the main point. It's easy to lose focus, isn't it? When, when you have so many things demanding your attention, the kids need to go here and you've got like the, the plumbing thing happen right there. And then who knows, you know, what, what big ice storm coming. It's like in all of this, like sometimes it's hard or rather it's easy to lose sight of the main point. Here's, here's what Paul says in verse eight. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, he's like, he's bragging. He's like, you guys, not only did you receive the word, but like you're telling other cities and other people about it. He says, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. He said, you know, I planted you church in Thessalonia. I planted y'all, but because of what you've done, when I go to these other cities, like the work is already done. 
I'd get there and they know who I am. They know who Jesus is. They, they know that you received Jesus and that you had a blessing as a result of that. Like, you've done a lot. You've kept your, your focus on the main point. We say this all the time at Carpenter's Way. We believe that Jesus Christ is the main point in all things, in all ways. Why? Because Scripture says that all things were made through him and nothing was made that is made that was not made by him. That's the word of God. That means that your life, the main point of your life, is Jesus. That means the main point of your obstacle and the season of life that you're in right now is Jesus. That means the main point of you just won the lottery and today's the greatest day ever. The main point is Jesus. You're like, yeah, but I got $54 billion. Okay, you got 54 billion ways to bless the Lord Jesus. I'm just telling you, if you lose sight of that, your life is going to get off balance. The main point of your life, Christian or otherwise, is Jesus. To know him, to be known by him, to belong to him, to dwell with him, to just spend life invested in him and supplied by him. What is the main point of your life? If, if someone were to grab your 2023 and that's the only snapshot of you they have, what would they say is the main point of your life? In college, I had to pause one time. It's like, hey, guys, we're going we're gonna to have a fun exercise. Great, I love fun. We're going to write our tombstone. You ready for that? I'm like, this is, man, this is dark, dude. Like, what are you, Mr. Adams? You know, this is uh, not Mr. Adams, the, the Adams family. Sorry, Mr. Adams. <laughs> uh, that, that, it's just like to pause and to think, like, what is, what is it that you have, you have 10 words to describe your entire life? If someone had to tell what your main point of your life is over the last year, based on what you focused on, based on what you brought into this world, based on how you projected yourself, what would they say your main point is? I think sometimes if they did that to me, my main point is like, man, I sure do have a lot going on. Sure don't have a lot enough time to get things done. My main point is the clock. There's only 24 hours in a day. I need 48 to get it done. They would think that my main point is a lack of time, a lack of resources, a lack of energy. Sure do need a nap. Jesse's main point is naps. That's, not, that's not, actually not a bad. Uh, you know, uh, I think Spurgeon said sometimes the most spiritual thing you, you can do is take a nap. Jesus took naps. It's like, yeah, praise God. I like that. What, is, what, what was your main point? Here's the beauty of pausing to look at legacies is um, if, someone, if someone misunderstood your legacy for 2023, it doesn't mean that they're right. It just means that we were losing focus or at least we were projecting the wrong things. Your true legacy is that Jesus is the main point. And he's not hiding from you. He's not mad at you. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, there is no wrath left for you. The Lord has no wrath left for you. It is peace. Peace to you. Be with your Father. Remind yourself, no, Jesus is my main point. That problem isn't my main point anymore. Jesus is my main point. Stay focused on your main point and your legacy will come together. I want to fast forward uh, because there's a lot in there. He just kind of repeats those three uh, themes through the letter of 1 Thessalonians. But at the end, he kind of he looks forward. He's forward thinking as well because your legacy isn't all about the past. This is, it's not all about where you came from. It's about where you're going also. So chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to fast forward to the end there. Finally then, brothers... We ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, 
And, you know, just as you were doing, he's like, you guys have done a great job. This would have been a great church to be a part of. You know how to follow God. You know how you ought to walk, and you've been doing it, that you do so more and more. Paul encourages them to keep up the good work. Paul encourages them, don't just rest on the past. Don't just rest on how things went. Listen to me. If you had the best 2023 you've ever had, the worst thing you can do this year is to coast on it. Man, I, I was awesome. I, I was disciplined. I ran like a marathon a week. Uh, I lost so much weight. I did great for 2023. I'm just going to ride that wave for 2024. You know what you're going to do at the end of 2024? Oh, put on a few pounds. Because <laughs> you can't coast on what you've done in the past. It's great that it was there. If it was good, then great. But don't coast on it. Find what works. Tune it in and do more of it. If 2023 was rocky, it just wasn't great. Then you don't have to define your 2024. You don't have to define the future based on what just happened. That's the beauty of legacies is they, you have, you have control. You're not, you're not, you're not to surrender to your past. When we, when we say that Jesus is Lord, that word Lord means that we surrender to Him. And many of us, especially those of us who don't know Jesus, those of us who haven't like wrestled with that yet, um, we are so surrendered to the truths of her past that, that we feel broken, we feel like there's no hope, we feel like we can't move on. The beauty of the cross is that you surrender to Jesus, not your past. He takes care of your past. You, we surrender to Jesus because he gives us a future. You're not defined by your mistakes, you're defined by who you follow. And so let's, let's just recap our four keys to a legacy based on 1 Thessalonians. There's one, that we remember the accomplishments. Two, we are honest about the obstacles. Three, we stay focused on the main point. And four, we press forward. We don't rest on our story or the past. And so what I want to do for the next 10 minutes, if I could, is I just want to apply this rubric to Carpenter's Way. This is, this is where we get to look at what we've done as a church. If you're new to Carpenter's Way, this is like a great way to get a snapshot. It's like, I don't even know if I want to be a part of these people. Well, this is what we were like, and this is what our legacy is, and this is where we're going. And if you have been a part of Carpenter's Way, if this is your church family, sometimes it's good to just pause and remember some of the things that happen. We believe that life really changes as a result of following Jesus. And we had several, uh, we actually don't keep count of the number of confessions in Jesus we have because they, they happen in different moments. But we had eight people that were baptized uh, and uh, professed Jesus as their Lord and Savior and went through in obedience through the water as a demonstration that their life is no longer the same. I don't know about you, but it's really good to know that Jesus still makes people new. And so we celebrated that at least, uh, not at, we celebrated eight baptisms uh, this year, and each uh, with a story, each with a past, each with a new legacy being built because Jesus is really Lord. Um, I, every week someone does the welcome. They say, hey, we got some prayer cards if you guys want to turn those in. We had a little over 120 prayer cards turned in in 2023. That is a, a little over 120 things that you felt was important enough to write down, important enough to ask people to pray for, and a little over 120 things that were just on those cards, not counting the things that weren't mentioned on the cards, um, prayed for. Um, we are a church 
that believes that the power in moving forward is found ultimately in heaven and in the Lord Jesus. And so to pray to him and to surrender things to him and to ask for his help is uh, not even the least we can do. It's the most we can do, isn't it? Um, we, uh, as a church, we believe that we go out. We go out and we serve people. We have these Sundays every now and then. Many of you know about them called Crossover Sundays, where we cross over into the community. We had two different Sundays this year where we did, oh man, I didn't write it down, but it's something like eight or nine different projects, uh, nursing homes and community baseball fields and building beds for people who, who need them. These are, these are opportunities. Uh, we had, we had an entire crossover where we had a few families in groves that the code ordinance people, I'm sure there's a more official name than that, <laughs> they needed some help. And uh, instead of being fined again by the city for the city to come mow the grass, many of you went and mowed some people's grasses and yards and, and helped them out. These were amazing opportunities. Uh, Spikes is wearing an OG shirt in that picture. Good job, Spikes. That, that shirt is 50 years old. Um, <laughs> it's not true. Um, we, uh, as a church, we invited and celebrated bringing on not one, but two new staff members here at Carpenter's Way. Uh, uh, Zoe, who feels like she's been working here for like six years now, really started less than a year ago uh, here at Carpenter's Way. And our most recent is uh, Erica, both our preschool pastor and our children's pastor are up there. Um, it is so good to see that the Lord's calling people to use their gifts and their talents and very, like to, to be on, everybody's called to be a minister. I don't know if you know that or not. Like you, you in the seat are called to be a minister in some capacity, but to give up all other vocation and to have laser focus on staff is, uh, it's fun to see and it's been good. Um, our biggest event of the year is Frosty Frenzy. Uh, we uh, had, we expected a little over 1,500. We had a little over 2,000 people here. It was as chaotic as this video is behind me. If you do not get a little dizzy at the end of this video, um, you're just not watching it closely enough. Uh, we, we had trains, we had people, we had stories. Oh my gosh, we had stories. Uh, I talked to people in the parking lot that were just so thankful to have an easy win. I have have photos of many of you just doing things out of selflessness and serving our community. Why do we put on Frosty Frenzy? Because we believe that Jesus is good, but we also believe our community needs to be reminded that he's good, that that he's more than just a stuffy book with rules. That, that is such a weird uh, uh, and ironic thing when the truth is life and peace in the name of Jesus. Well, um, our men's ministry, uh, I don't know if you know this or not. If you're a man uh, and you don't know this, you should know this, that our men's ministry uh, meets usually, almost weekly for coffee to just gather, to just chat. There's no agenda. It's not like a Bible study weekly. It's just just some dudes, uh, sometimes two, five. I don't, I don't know how big the thing gets. Uh, just people who just chat and, and, and share some requests and laughs and tease each other as guys tend to do. Um, but our men get together. Um, uh, weekly, but uh, there's also a, a monthly men's gathering that happens in this building where they just get breakfast like they normally would, but at the end of the breakfast, they work. They do stuff around the building. I don't know if you have noticed, if if you've been at Carpenter's Way, maybe you forgot, like, we we didn't have, I'm pretty sure we didn't have a single work day uh, all last year where, like, where there's a maintenance and things like that. We probably will have one here pretty soon because there's some bigger items that we want to focus on, but why? Why is it that we haven't had that? Because these men get together 
together monthly and they just like, they go and they take care of things. I have a list of probably 35 to 40 projects between painting and electrical and just maintenance things that these guys have volunteered for um, and do regularly. The women uh, get together monthly for these fellowships and meals. If you're not familiar with the men and the women getting together on these schedules, then that means that you're not on the men's ministry and the women's ministry text message thread, and we can get you on there. So just stop by the, the that spot. That's called, what's it called? It's called the outpost. That's what it's called. Uh, just stop and, and grab that and, and look at that. I want to introduce you to a group called Word Revolution. You've never met these people. If we can put Word Revolution on here. Uh, there are some people right here. Uh, none of them uh, live in America. Uh, and yet they partner with Carpenter's Way. You don't know this, um, but in January, we partnered with an organization called Word Revolution, and they helped us with logo and branding. If you've noticed in the last year, our social media like take off like fire, it's because they are behind the scenes working for it. Here, here's why I want to introduce you to them. Uh, we've got people up here, some that I know, Barbara, Ingrid, uh, 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 Rebecca, and Sarah over here. If you see Sarah's picture on the right, that's actually one of our sermon series graphics that she's working on when they took the picture. Why is this important for you to know? You need to know this. Um, it used to be in, you know, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that the church, the body of the church was limited to the talents of the local community to accomplish the goals that we have. That's not true anymore because Al Gore or somebody invented the internet. And um, I don't know who invented the internet. Uh, imagine this, the body of Christ that functions in Carpenter's Way is not limited to the geography of Groves or Mid-County. Um, there are people who serve Carpenter's Way that live in Brazil, South Africa, Portugal, and Barbara, right there in the brown coat, she's moving to Barcelona in like three weeks. And so we actually have this entire international team because the Word of God, better yet, the body of Christ can operate in long-distance ways to accomplish big things. But as a result of working with them, um, there's a new website. Uh, there's going to be some new shirts that come out here pretty soon. Stuff like that. It's just beautiful to know that we get to partner with them. The last thing on remembering the accomplishments is uh, I just want to bring to your attention again Right Now Media. We don't have a slide for it, but if you are not signed up for Right Now Media, but you're like, I sure do wish I had some more Bible study in my life, it's free. We have, we have a, a library of over 50,000 better preachers than me who can teach anything that you could dream of. Uh, there's kids programs. Uh, just go grab one of the cards out of the outpost and sign up for it. You, if you don't have it, you should. It's like the best thing that is free. I say free. You, you've paid for it already. Um, you might as well use it. Okay, so those are, those are some pretty good accomplishments. Let's look at the obstacles of the past. Just, uh, I'll be, I'll be brief. Um, Obviously, uh, economy is is an issue. Like, uh, we, we, you live here. Uh, you know the cost of bread is like $50 a loaf or something. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's, it's nuts. Uh, and so local and national economy is still a struggle. It's still going to be an obstacle. We face that. Uh, every nonprofit I've ever met has faced that. Um, I'm happy to report um, that uh, as far as, like, the, co the confusion and the chaos of the economy, it's not being chaotic. It's just been different. Uh, we've, we planned a 
last year, our budget, we didn't have to make any adjustments in the budget. We, the plans were right along the board, but uh, the economy is still a thing because you know that and, and I know that. One obstacle that I didn't expect is uh, how we bring on new members at Carpenter's Way. This is, this is probably news to many of you, but we have membership classes and we invite you to join Carpenter's Way if you want to join the new members, uh, go through Cornerstone and become a member of Carpenter's Way if the Lord is calling you to that. I would love for you to. The reason why that's an obstacle is because the last two membership classes I had were full of people and they all said the same thing. I thought I was already a member, but then I found out I wasn't, and so I'm, I'm in this class. And so we're, we're like having this new members class. You're like, I already know that. Some of you are in this room. You're like, yeah, that was me. Like, I just thought I was a member. I didn't know there was a thing. And that tells me that uh, we're not communicating that as well. We're not really articulating, like, how many times a year do we do that? And so the next new members class, by the way, if you want to mark your calendars, is February 18th. Um, but it's an obstacle. Like, you should know if you're a member or not. That shouldn't be uh, a, a mystery. Um, another obstacle we have is the physical space of our building. Um, I'm, I haven't said this publicly, but like there's there's a lobby that we can't use because it's so narrow. And what we hope to do this year uh, is to expand that lobby some so that there's a place for us to sit and drink and have coffee and and things. Um, uh, the the last obstacle I'm going to bring up today is just we have a desperate need for some better. Uh, what's, what's the right word for this? Better hospitality. Um, as, as you come in on Sunday mornings, like the people who make the coffee, the people who, like, we, we don't have a, uh, a scheduled coffee team. We don't have a welcome team. We, it would be great to have people that are welcoming people in, helping them with their umbrellas, helping them with their things. We can. And I think that we can do better in that. I find that to be an obstacle. It's something that I would like to overcome. And if the Lord is leading you to something like around hospitality, um, I would love to, talk to you. Um, the third ingredient from, from Paul in First Thessalonians is staying focused on the main point. We, we preach Jesus here. Uh, I'm not smart enough to have just this entire series built around like my ideas or like some new psychological statement. And so we've had, uh, if you can put up those series titles, um, we, we have series that we just look at the Gospel of John, uh, which we're going to kick off again next week. We're going to be back in, in John. We, we had some disassembly required. That was the table flipping series. Um, every series we taught, we, we tried something new this in 2023 that we're continuing. And that is every series is interwoven with every series series that it's around. And what ends up being is that if you invest in Carpenter's Way, if you're here on a regular basis, then you start to build um, the same story together throughout the year. And so each of these uh, series were like that, which by the way, um, these were also created by the uh, organization Word Revolution that I mentioned earlier. Not only do we stay focused as, as a church on the main point by teaching Jesus, but you, the people, have stayed focused on Jesus. Um, we've, I won't share any specifics, uh, because I didn't ask any of you permission, but the stories that we hear on a personal level of someone like, I didn't want to forgive him. I didn't want to do it, but I did this. The people who have said, I, I had a terrible relationship with my parent. I haven't talked to them in 20, 30, whatever. And I did this. The people who have gone to someone and said, here's a letter where you are completely forgiven. We've had multiples of those because we see our people not only from the stage teaching, but also you as an individual staying focused on Jesus. The fourth ingredient is that we press forward. These are all great stories. Obstacles, it's good to know what they are. What we've accomplished is great, but we're not, we're not going to coast on that because our mission is to still go and influence that community. Go. 
we want to give away more ministry. We, we, want, we want whatever the Lord has called you to do, if it's within the body of Carpenter's Way, like if you're, if you're out and you're like, I'm called to start a nonprofit, we will support that prayerfully. I'll celebrate it. I'll go to your opening. I will cheer for you. But if you're like, I have this skill, this talent, and I can't figure out how to use that in the church, we want to give more ministry away. We want you to be empowered to use what the Lord has called you to do. Um, we we lose sight of what it's like to work for church. I heard somebody criticizing the evangelical church, which is like, it's, it's a buzzword, but the criticism was like, you're just looking for volunteers all the time. You're just recruiting volunteers. You're just recruiting volunteers. If you hear me trying to recruit a volunteer, you're misunderstanding me. I'm inviting you to something that will bring you life. To use and do what the Lord has made you to do, what you've been designed to do, that's a gift. Um, there's a video I saw by a guy named Stephen Foster, uh, whose church asked him to make coffee, and it wrecked his life. Uh, it's a great video. So we're going to watch that together. If you can press that, Lucas. I never really liked the church. I didn't even really like Christians that much. I used to think of it like a package deal. Like, you get Jesus, and so you get the church and Christians thrown. It's just part of the package. And uh, there are some bits you like, Jesus, some bits you don't like so much. It's like the church and Christians um, used to find that a bit annoying. But I'd turn up the church and go through it. But I didn't really enjoy going to church. And then one day, uh, I was at the back of our church in East London, and someone said to me, oh, we need help to run the coffee team and I was like I was like working like 70 80 hour week I'm like what and they were like yeah we Steve we really do help running the coffee team on a Sunday and I was thinking I'm a barrister I'm not a barista like I've got a job I don't need another job to run the coffee team but I just you know sometimes you, you just can't even think of what to say so I was like okay I'll do it I'll do it okay and and I instantly thought why did I do that so I turn up next week like you know trying to get the cups and everything get the coffee right as I handed these cups to people Something really changed in me. I found myself, as I handed coffee to these people, growing in love for them. I was like, these people are amazing. Like, this is this extraordinarily diverse community. It's been gathered from across the area, probably not another place that looks as diverse and integrated as this. This is a miracle. And then I, even people I found a little bit more frustrating and complicated, as I handed them their coffee, I kind of grew in love for them. And I kind of basically fell in love with the church and then I kind of went back to the person who'd asked me to do it I said we need a new coffee machine we need better beans we need better mugs like we come on these are amazing people I want this to be the best coffee that they get you know they're coming to church on a Sunday morning I got more and more passionate I started to build a team to serve coffee on a Sunday morning I sometimes say making coffee changed my life because I fell in love with the church of Jesus Christ I didn't realize why it was special I didn't realize why it mattered and as I made coffee for people, I suddenly realized, oh, the church is like the bride of Jesus Christ. It's like the thing he gave himself for. Like the church is God's plan for the salvation of the world. There's no plan B. And God is going to build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So like God is putting all his eggs in the church basket. And I realized over those few weeks, there's a beautiful thing here. Yes, it messes up. Yes, it makes mistakes. You'll never find a perfect church, but it's a beautiful thing. And I thought, that's what I want to spend my life building. 
We are called to bring this life-changing message to our community. And if you feel led to partner and serve in any way, like we're not going to stand in the way. We want to give away as much ministry as possible. We're adding more deacons. Um, we have a few opportunities that are coming up, and we don't really have a plan to address them. One is Magnolia Manor has invited us to do a Bible study on a weekly basis because we did one of our crossovers with them. We would need a team that can accomplish that. Uh, if you would like to be a part of that, if you feel like that could be your ministry, we we can we can make that happen. We have uh, an opportunity to partner with and work with uh, Fellowship uh, Port Arthur, which I forgot to mention earlier that we did that this year. Is that we partnered with uh, Phil, uh, Port Arthur Fellowship and and was able to to see them get ready to launch, and so they're going to be launching this Easter. So here, here's here's where I'm going to close with. Uh, goodness, I'm, I'm a few minutes over, but um, we know we know what the Lord has done in Carpentersville. We've seen it. And we want to see the Lord continue to do a thing. We feel like we know the direction that he's going. Our big hairy goal for this year uh, is to bring people closer. I want, I want you to know this phrase is to bring closer. We need to go out and tell people that there is hope because they're forgetting. I don't know if you know this. Our community is forgetting that there's hope and it shows we have to go and we have to bring them closer to the hope that is in Jesus. And we're going to do our best to train each of you on how to have gospel conversations and to share the faith of Jesus with other people or to just bring them closer to the Lord, to bring them closer to hope. Um, I'm going to be giving this book away in a couple of weeks called Gospel Threads. Um, ask me about it later. I don't have time to explain it. For now, uh, let me let me pray for you. You are, listen, you're, you're leaving a legacy and you're living a legacy, today's focus is an invitation for you to put your hand on the steering wheel. Um, and let that legacy be something that actually means something. Let that legacy be something that actually is a focus on the real main point, and that is that Jesus wants to make all things new, including you, including your family, and including that jerk at work that you can't stand. He wants to make all things new. Pray with me. Father, uh, we thank you. We love you. Uh, I pray a blessing in the name of Jesus over these men and women. I pray that by the grace of God, um, we we see you accomplish the things that we see. In fact, that we see you accomplish more than that. You are able to do far more than what we can ever dream, uh, what we can imagine. And so may we also catch a glimpse of that. And may this time next year, we're looking back on accomplishments that we didn't even dream about this morning. But as far as this goes, um, Lord, may you bring people closer to you, bring them closer to hope. And if we can be a part of that, Lord, help us. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.